Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening are John Christian, Catherine Lindquist, Troy Sandlin, and then we're also joined by our special guest, Patrick from the 307 RPG Podcast. How's everybody doing? Doing Fantastic. Good. Yeah, doing good. Doing well. Awesome. So uh, we're really Look excited. Look at that, Patrick. Patrick opens up with a, sal- a salvo at me. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> Super, Superman, Superman does good. Uh, you do well. Thank you, right. Patrick. That's right. <laughs> Correction taken. Thank you. Carry on, Zach. You're all good. <laughs> We're really excited to have Patrick on our podcast today. Uh, Patrick has been a staple of my uh, RPG podcast listening for quite a while now. Um, we've become, uh, friends and acquaintances on Facebook and other social media, and he's been generous enough to have, uh, myself and David Barentine on his podcast several times. Um, so we thought we should definitely return the favor and get a special treat in as well by having him come on. You know, Zach, I'm super stoked to be here. And as always, like I told you, it's always fun to have you and David on our show. We've been doing the 307 RPG podcast for almost two years now. So it's really cool to be able to jump in on another podcast and be able to talk about the games that we all love. Yes. That's awesome. Nice. Yes. You said this was your first time on a podcast other than your own, and uh, you were having a hard time adjusting to the fact that there wasn't a whole round of editing to do afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to do editing. I didn't have to come up with show notes. This is amazing. <laughs> it's really a delight. Absolutely. Um, we, but, we'll, we'll send some over for you. We send some oh, over perfect. for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we really love what you're doing over there. We love uh, your attention to Scarred Lands and Vampire and all these other lovely um, RPGs and campaign settings. Um, it's just a really fun podcast to, to, to catch every week. We'll obviously plug it again at the end of the episode. But um, for those of uh, those audience members who haven't checked out 307 RPG yet, can you give them a quick pitch about what they could expect? Sure. When you come to our show, there's a couple things you're going to hear. First off, you're going to listen to my my friend and I, Nolan, and Nolan and I spend a lot of time together because we work together. And to get through the day, we're both in car sales. To get through the day, because it's it's mind-numbing sometimes, guys, um, we talk about games. And we've been in a D&D group together for a while now, and I had the idea. I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. So we did. Mm-hmm. And we've just we've had a lot of fun. And what you can find on our show is honest opinions. We you know, we we break things down as we see them. We don't always agree with what's going on, you know, with controversy or things like that. So but we, we tell you what we think. Um, you, you can expect inclusivity because we want everybody to listen to our show. We want everybody to enjoy games. So we try to be as open to everybody as we can be. And, and you're going to find a host of stuff from Nolan's amazing encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons. I swear, if you listen to him and you listen to him talk, he does not have a book in front of him. He doesn't have D&D Beyond open. He just recites this stuff. And it's amazing to listen to. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, he's great with you know breaking down the UAs every time there's a new UA, uh, and even in the Scardlands stuff because he loves Scardlands. He loves seeing whatever Travis is putting out for Scardlands, and and then he turns the World of Darkness over to me because that's my baby, and I've been playing the World of Darkness since 1993. I'm showing my age. Wow. Okay, sorry. Awesome. <laughs> so, oh, there was an oof in there. <laughs> yeah, you got an old guy on the show. Sorry. Yeah, listen, you're in good company. <laughs> hey. Yeah. <laughs> That means there's two old guys on the on the show now. That's awesome. Good, I love good. it. <laughs> yeah, we just the mileage. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of fun. We do. You know, we, we like I said, we break down all sorts of different stuff, and we we get to have interviews with the different developers and writers, and like we've got stuff planned for writer or I'm sorry, uh, other podcast hosts from Werewolf. We have writers for Star Trek Adventures, writers for Call of Cthulhu lined up. It's just a lot of wow. fun on our show. Love it. That's yep. awesome. It's really good. I um, got to listen recently to your episode on D&D Live. And, yeah, that was um, a fun one. That was really fun. I, um, For those of you who who want to hear more about that and just uh, kind of have a couple of guys chit-chat about everything that was announced um, and kind of comparing um, not just that, but but you, you, you dove into just our, some – how do I want to phrase this um, – you know what? I'm just going to leave it to the audience. There's some really cool <laughs> stuff on there, and I could dive into it and talk about everything that you talked about, but I think that the uh, audience would do better to just go and check it out and experience it for themselves. So, Well, and that was a special one for us, Zach, because you were actually DMing at D&D Live, and we were able yeah. to say, hey, we know somebody who's working for doing yeah. this, this stuff with D&D Live. So it was special for us, too. Absolutely. Um, all four of us that are on here with you today, uh, D&D dm'd for dnd live and That's uh, awesome. so we're really excited we're, we're not going to talk too much about dnd live on this episode but we are going to talk about uh the uh rhyme of the frost maiden just a hair yes. in our um in our larger topic <laughs> <Yeah>. this evening <laughs> <laughs> uh but before we do that let's go ahead and get started so the first segment that we do every week is what we call our community pulse or our dessert segment because here in america we like to eat our dessert first and uh get all that sugary goodness out of the way before we dive into our meal so uh this is the time where we each bring something to the table typically one or two things and we chit chat about uh New products, new Kickstarters, YouTube channels that we just discovered, podcasts that we like, all sorts of different things. Um, I've got several things on the list today, but before we get into uh, any of the main hosts, Patrick, is there anything that you would like to talk about? Uh, sure. There's a Kickstarter that I'm really excited about, and it's for a game that's been around for quite a while, but it really has just fallen into my lap, so to mm. speak. Um, I'm a big fan of Red Moon Roleplay. I think Red Moon Roleplaying does some amazing actual plays. Uh, them and Twin City by Nights are some of my favorite. And I listened to their um, actual play of Cult Divinity Lost. Uh, they played oh, a wow. scenario that was written by Matthew Dawkins. And I got to tell you, I was hooked. I mean, like, hook, line, and sinker. I had to know more about Cult Divinity Lost. Ended up buying the core rulebook. And then Matthew Dawkins tweeted me and said, hey, just so you know, there's a Kickstarter live right now. Uh, so I'm actually pulling it up. It's got 66 hours to go, and there's a couple of ways to get involved with it. They have, they were looking for $10,000. They're at $163,000, so it's completely funded. Wow. And they are just tearing. I think they actually just opened up their last stretch goal. 
Nice. And if, you, if you've never looked at Cult, it is a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, it's a neat, neat horror game, and it's thematic with what what we're going to be talking about tonight with Rhyme and the Frostmaiden. So I, that's one that I'm really excited about. The other one is a, a podcast that actually reached out to me recently. Called, um, it's the Dungeon Master's Dojo. And this is a group of guys who's been playing D&D together for a long time, and they're trying to get their podcast out there. There's only like four or five episodes, and I've listened to a couple of them, and it's just neat. You have these guys who sit down together, kind of like we're doing now, but you can tell these are all, these guys have been friends for a long time, so there's some private jokes here and there, but they talk about, you know, tips to being a DM, and, and even tips of being a good player. Mm. So it's just, it's a neat show. I've enjoyed a couple of episodes that I've listened to, so... There you go. Those are the two that I've been checking out the last couple weeks. I love it. Awesome. So, Very so cool. Cult Divinity Lost, I believe that's Cult spelled with a K, right? Yes. yes. That Perfect. is correct by Helmgast Games. Awesome. So, so Patrick, is this is this uh, a a redoing of the Cult RPG from back in the like what was it nineties? Yeah, that's that's correct. It is indeed. Yep, it is a redoing. Now, the the I think they opened or. Cold came out. Divinity Lost, the new version, came out in 2018. Um, okay. And they've had they have a few supplements out. And I know Matthew Dawkins. If you guys are familiar with him at all, he's done a lot of writing for them. And Matthew does amazing World of Darkness horror hmm. stuff. He did some great work on Cults of the Blood Gods. Um, he did some great work on Chicago by Night. He just has a grip on horror that will really blow your mind and listening to that red moon role-playing podcast i actually ended up tweeting matthew and and i'll watch my language here but i was like holy f matthew what the f (laughs) this is intense (laughs) 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 and and it is i mean it's just i think there's only like four maybe six episodes in that whole scenario and they're only about an hour long well worth listening to and if you're not inspired to buy the game after listening to this i i, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> awesome right on. Okay. i just saw the divinity lost book at my local flg yesterday and so i'm excited to turn right back around and probably go pick that up so yeah, you've, so you've definitely convinced me of at least checking it out um i'm cool. a sucker for that sort of thing and dungeon masters dojo i'm we're always up for a new podcast here i don't know how many podcasts we've hyped here on our own podcast but we're always uh, there's always room for one more so uh that'll go on my subscription list 100 percent awesome okay let's see who else do we have here troy you've got a couple and you've got a very special one that uh yeah go ahead Uh, and pitch both of them for me this one this one hit me out of left field kind of um going back to to dnd live had a had a gentleman at, at my table um friend requested me on facebook after the game, I always throw that out there. The invite, if you've played at my table, uh, find me on Facebook or whatever. I love to to keep in contact with players at my tables. Uh, he invited me to like another page. The page is called "The Mind of an Addict." Um, he's a he's a recovering addict, and this is his story. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, sorry. <laughs> It, it, the, the the first post just took me off my feet, hmm. and it tells part of his story. Um, so, yeah, I want to I want to wow. kind of spread his word a little bit because without role playing games in D anD D, I would have never met this guy. Yeah, well, so, it's really cool to make 
you know, uh, like, especially the con scene, the virtual con scene allows you to make those connections and for people to get to share their stories with a wider audience. So um, it doesn't necessarily fit our typical mold of RPG news and topics, but I felt like the fact that it's another connection that was made through made through the game itself and it's a really cool story um and the fact that we've connected with him at this point um i said absolutely let's 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 bring this up and we'll post a link and um see if we can spread his story to a few more people yeah to me it just kind of like you know says something about you know the power of of these silly little games that we gather around the table around the computer and play you know they have power yeah they have weight Mm -hmm. so and as a, as a little bit of a palate cleanser from that, um, I decided also to uh, check out a Kickstarter. Hmm. Um, it's called Elixir Dice. Uh, they're handcrafted, sharp edged, and liquid cored. They are gorgeous, Troy. They are. I'm, I'm they are. I'm, I'm in love. They look yeah. so good. Wow. Well, I mean, they've made a quarter of a million dollars um, and still going. Yes. 19 days yes. left in their Except Kickstarter. 19 days left. Amazing. Uh, and, I mean, just watch the video of them, you know, rolling the dice and how the, the sparklies inside swirl around. And, and it just looks, it looks fantastic. Now, oh yes, they are a little on the salty side, but not any, any, I mean, I've got friends who are like, yeah, I just spent $400 on a, on a set of dice. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, what do they do? Well, they're just dice. Oh, well, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Catherine's expression I, right now of just like mouth agape. <gasps> so I need these yeah. dice. They're, they're gorgeous. They really oh, yeah. They're, they're absolutely they beautiful. Sparkle. Yeah. Well, they, yes. oh my gosh, they're so colorful. The hard edges are awesome. Um, yeah. But also, they've got a really, really nice color palette and really clean lines. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, the contrast between the numbers and the and the and the liquid is a is a good contrast, and mm-hmm. I actually really like the font that they're mm-hmm. using on yeah, for all the numbers. It's bold. It's simple. It's yeah. it's very easy to read. So my clean. my only kind of like nit to pick, if you could even call it that, because <laughs> I've been I've been spoiled um, by some of the the, the the die sets that I've received from, you know, wizards mm. and stuff like that, the D twenties are normal size. Mm. I have a thing a bigger. I, I, yeah. I have a thing. I like my D twenties just a little <laughs> bit bigger. Yeah, I, you know, just something <laughs> stupid, just something stupid. So, so, you know, elixir dice people out there, if you happen to be uh, listening, give me a bigger one. <laughs> I'm, and, I, and I'm on it. Yeah, well, uh, 19 days left on the Kickstarter. It's definitely still going to be um, up when this episode drops. Uh, they're pl- I, I mean, I'm sure they plowed through all of their stretch goals, plus some. They had a $10,000 goal. They're way, 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 way past that. Right from your hometown, Troy, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh-huh. Um, wow. you got to stop by and just say, hey, that's, that's <laughs> really cool. Um, Actually, they've got, they've got two more stretch goals. They've got 500000 and a $1 million. Dang. Wow. wow. All right, well. Liquid, Good luck to them. Sparkly dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so magical. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, uh, that is awesome. Um, let's keep it on the Kickstarter train. John, you've got a Kickstarter for us. I do. By the time this is this goes live, the Kickstarter will be ended. Uh huh. So I'm, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm got in on the Kickstarter now. 
they will have uh, post kick Kickstarter availability to where you can get in late. Alice is missing. This thing is absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, I love a good mystery anyway. The, but what they're doing is they're incorporating mobile uh, text for communication inside of the game as a, as a mechanic in the game. Mm, um, nice. The sessions last between two and three hours for three to five players. The first 45 minutes is devoted to a session zero, essentially. How are you connected to Alice? What are your ties to one another? And then for the next 90 minutes, you spend those uncovering secrets and then unearthing clues in an attempt to discover what happened to Alice and where she is. Uh, and then through the text messages, it's like the, the primary mode of communication between one another. Uh, and it's, it's uh, Alice is a, a high school junior that goes missing and you're either her peers or you're members of the community and you're texting one another back and forth trying to figure out um, where she went. Now there's a, there are card mechanics in it also to give each uh, player and the game master equal footing in how the story progresses and how it moves and shifts as they go along. So the it's not just your character's agency, but your agency as a, the collaborative effort of telling a story that you can you can inject your spin on what happens next through the uh, the card component. And one of the things that I think is the, is brilliant about this is there is a roll twenty component to this. They're already thinking Ooh. about virtual tabletop platforms and encompassing that as a part of the Kickstarter campaign. Genius. That's really nice. cool. And the, nice. this company is Renegade Games. Yes. who have a really good pedigree. They do the um, Wardlings campaign guide. Um, they do, oh gosh, they do um, Kids on Bikes, Kids on Brooms. Oh, yes. Um, they do uh, the Altered Carbon RPG. They do the mm -hmm. Clank deck building game. So uh, this is a company that knows what they're doing. I think we can say, oh, they do Overlight, the RPG, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so anyhow, uh, that's really cool. I had seen yeah. that, but I didn't realize that that was tied to Renegade Games. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the yeah, vibe I, in it is 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 cool, right? The dark, mysterious. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like a Kiss the Girls, Along Came a Spider, mm. kind of a almost like a murder mm -hmm. mystery thriller. Is she is she dead? Did she run away? It's really it's just cool. I, I like I like a good uh, a good mystery. So yeah. this one uh, this really spoke to me. Very nice. cool. Yeah. Very uh, cool. Awesome. So the last thing that we got for you today is something that I picked up. I actually just went ahead and ordered it. Um, got in the Odyssey of the Dragon Lords Player's Guide. Um, this is by Modifius, and this ties to the their um, uh, oh goodness, what is it called? Odyssey of the Dragon Lords campaign setting that they did a couple of years ago on Kickstarter. Um, I do not have that campaign setting, but I saw that you could pick up their um, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords Player's Guide for a little bit of nothing online. In fact, if you go to Modifius.com, you can get this for free on PDF. For free oh, on PDF. Wow. Oh, nice. Um, I think I paid $12 for the soft cover. The soft cover is about 60-some pages. It's got a campaign setting for like a Greek-inspired fantasy world. Um, and then it has a whole bunch of player options in it. Um, I picked it up because I'm always game to hear about new player options, gives cool ideas for things that I might create. And also, uh, in a fantasy one like this, I find that a lot of times these are very easily integrated into your Forgotten Realms games and things like that. If your player mm -hmm. wants to play something a little bit more unique, here's your chance. Um, 
This one has six new races. The Centaur, the Medusa, the Minotaur, the Nymph, the Satyr, and the Siren. And mm. it's their own take on each one of those. So we know that like Minotaur is already has an equivalent in the Forgotten Realms. This one's a little bit different. Um, I really like the flavor that they and the direction that they take the mechanics. Um, really good all the way around with their playable races. Uh, it has a new class archetype for all of the main classes. Um, some highlights for me included a um, Oath of the Dragonlord Paladin, which nice. if you've ever wanted to play a class that has a dragon companion, this does it really well. Um, as an example of that, the first one of the things that you get at an early level is the spell Find Familiar, and when you summon it, it's a pseudo-dragon. And the pseudo-dragon's job, according to the uh, subclass, the pseudo-dragon's job is to find you a real dragon egg. And so, oh, wow. basically, it's up to the DM. In the first five levels, it's expected that this pseudo-dragon will find you a dragon egg. Um hmm. And if it doesn't find it within the first five levels, then it automatically leaves at once you hit level five and in three to six weeks will return with a dragon egg. Um, It hatches at level seven and becomes a young dragon, then it comes or a wormling and then it becomes a young dragon at level 15. So it's 100 percent. You have an animal companion, but you're a paladin. So it's a really cool combination. Um, Yeah. Other highlights that I won't go into, but like there's a prophecy domain cleric, which I thought was clever. There's a um, warlock uh, fates patron, which I thought was really cool. Mm. Um, a hoplite soldier for the fighter archetype. Uh, again, really, really great. So um, definitely check that out. The main thing that I want to point to here, though, is they have an idea for something called Epic Paths, which I thought was really inspired. Um, the idea is that if you play a character in a Odyssey of the Dragon Lords campaign, it's expected that you want to be that epic hero, that Hercules or the equivalent, right? And so when you pick your race, your class, and your background at first level, you also pick an epic path. And that epic path is basically like the outline slash framework of a personal plot for your character for our character arc so it has a little hook at the beginning it has a magic item as part of a adventure or a task or a quest that you would need to go find and uncover and it has maybe some other things that your character could pursue and if you complete those things there's a divine blessing that your character can get so um i really think that that part of it they've got like 12 different epic paths in here that alone is worth getting this book for um, because I think if you like that epic style of play, 100% you should be using that system. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a great inspiration. And it's beautiful. Oh, the book is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. We were talking about high quality images. The maps are on point. The character sheet that they put together here is, it looks like a, a, uh, a book that was illuminated by monks in the Renaissance. It's just the, it looks so good. Uh, the GM screen looks good. 460 pages for what you're, for what you're paying for it is 
Not yeah, only is it good quality, but you're also good. That's that's good quantity, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I really like the the. I'm, I'm with you, Zach. I, I think that we kind of. I feel like we're missing some of the epic options towards the last five levels of play and then beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, kind of, if there is a campaign that comes around that kind of speaks to that, I think that that's a, a, a void that needs to get filled by the community. So I'm glad that it's there. Yeah, I mean, Modifius puts out great products basically hands down they're one of right. the great rpg creators out there in my opinion mm-hmm. um so i'm really glad that i picked up this book and yeah i'll probably follow suit and grab the campaign guide at this point so mm. okay well that was a good healthy dose so i think that's it though let's go ahead <laughs> and dive in to our main course this is a topic that we feel like uh, has came up at our tables in the past, something that we've all kind of worked through. We felt like um, due to the announcement of Ryan of the Frost Maiden, this was a great time to discuss this uh, with Patrick on board, uh, kind of bringing some other RPG flavor into our mix. I thought this is a great opportunity to discuss uh alternative genre tropes or alternative genres injected into D&D. Uh, what's been your experience with it? What's, uh, are you, do you run it in your games? Do you, have you played in games with it? Do you see systems that use it? We're talking like uh, horror injected into your game, uh, thriller aspects, sci-fi aspects, romance, anything like that, that you feel like sits outside of the standard fantasy play. Wow, that's kind of a loaded question, Zach. <laughs> uh, in, in that, so a couple things here. Um, one of the things that I, and it's not that I actively do it, I just don't. I rarely inject uh, romance in the game. Mm. Uh, keep in mind, I'm typically the DM for our games. I rarely do it because I know that sometimes it makes people very uncomfortable. Now, in mm. a recent game that I played in where somebody else was DMing, he kept trying to inject romance and it got to the point, and specifically with my character, and it got to the point where I did not want to play the character anymore. Mm. I felt it felt things had just gone so bad that, in fact, we ended up stopping. We were playing uh, Dungeons and Mad Mage, and it got so bad that I quite literally said, "I want the character to commit suicide." Because mm. oh, I was, gosh. I was, wow. it was terrible. I was done and wanted out of it. Mm. So. As a DM, I tend to stay away from romance because I don't want to make anybody at the table uncomfortable. Some people don't like that, at least in the group that I play with. They don't want that in their games. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So romance is one that I stay away from. Now, I don't... The other thing that I try to do with with my players is I think about character tropes. Like, oh, I am the chosen one, but I don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm, an, I'm a secret heir eh, probably not so I always try to sit down and talk with our players like they'll have these grand ideas and I'm like yeah it's been overdone let's find something else <laughs> uh, but when it comes to actually playing you know like I said I, we stay away from romance horror is the one that I love to work into games Yeah, because I think horror really gets a visceral reaction from your players if it's done correct, and there's a big difference between terror and horror. I mean, terror is, oh my gosh, there's body parts everywhere. What did we just walk into? Hmm. Whereas horror is, you're walking down this 
dark, dark dungeon, whatever. And you're pretty sure there's something behind you, but every time you look, it's not there. Hmm. You know, hmm. so there's, and, and these are very general um, examples, but I like injecting horror into the camp, into a game, no matter what the game is. And I thought Tomb of Annihilation was a great one Ooh. to throw horror into. I think specifically about the time where you had the, the golems that were walking around in the dungeon that were really sentinel type creatures. And it got to the point where like the characters would, were peeking around corners to make sure nothing was there because they were like, no, we don't want to deal with this. Uh, so I, I love injecting horror, the, the horror tropes into our game, like having a uh, homebrew that we ran. There was always this antagonist who was stealing things from them or, or just showed up whenever she wasn't wanted and they could never get away from her. And it, you know, and it was always these inopportune times, like the party was in trouble and, oh, look, here she is and she's going to rip you off or she's going to do this. And uh, <laughs> it, it got to the point where it was like this bad person, this, and it, it almost became horror, like, and she started in Curse of Strahd, so it was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so those are, the, those are the kind of things that I like to inject. Horror is the big one, and, and it really does, I think, just get that visceral reaction. Do we think that horror is the most natural fit with Forgotten Realms fantasy of all the extra genres that we could weld on? Do we think horror fits the best? Hmm. You asking Jenna or are you asking me? Oh, just, just in general. Seeing <laughs> okay. who... Yeah, yeah I, don't know if it, I don't know if it's a best fit, honestly. I think that with... The, like a middle... The Middle Ages, right? European Middle Ages is kind of where the where forgotten realms kind of got its foothold from that it, it makes sense that it's kind of the it's probably the easiest thing uh-huh. to, to to plug in more than uh, just because you essentially ratchet up the tension of the situation uh-huh. and instead of it being necessarily more dramatic it's more um unsettling unnerving uh-huh. frightening right and kind of, and kind of to, to, to your point too by the way you were talking about the differences between terror and horror Sure. I, the the way that I try to explain it to to other to other folks that may not be that kind of don't see the distinction, it's John Carpenter's Halloween versus Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> yeah, there you right? go. <laughs> one one is the creepy guy that's in the in the shadows that is stalking, and there's like this tension that's built up over time, and it doesn't require a lot of blood and guts to shock, right? Versus right. the other, which is pretty much just. Almost like it's like a snuff film watching the entire thing. So, uh, but to to your point though, Zach, I think that that's that's probably my my take on it is it's not necessarily the best fit, but it's the easiest thing to use. It's like the one that you can go to that's the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit. Does that make mm. sense? Well, well, yeah, because I mean, what are the adventurers doing? We're creeping around in dark dungeons, and we can't see beyond our torchlight, and and there's different noises and sounds and it's an alien world and, and things want to eat you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's pretty horrifying. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's the, it's the easiest one to dovetail in for most adventures and most campaigns, I would think. Yeah. But being also like, you know, reading the books and stuff, I think if you wanted to, uh, romance and, and thriller, if you had the right group, you could you could definitely do those as well. Um, I personally don't want to do a campaign centered around romance. That's 
I'm kind of with Patrick on that one. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, I, I have done a little bit of that, like with with my groups, and it, but it's it's more like, hey, I really want to have a love interest. Okay, we work on that and introduce the NPC, and then it's like, not a lot of not a lot of role playing goes on between me as said NPC and the player. It's just like, okay, it's understood. You know, yeah, they have a thing for each other, and cool. Hmm. It's really interesting. (laughs) Up until recently, um, I would say that any romance that was injected into my D&D was at cons during Adventurers League. Um, You know what? Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Players love... What I find at Adventures at cons is that players love attention regardless of where that attention comes from. And <laughs> if that means that one of the uh, various NPCs uh, uh, takes notice, uh, all the better, especially for everyone else at the table, right? Yes. Um, so so I definitely think that it, it popped up, it pops up a lot there. Like I would say every con there's probably one at least one time where something happens that I would say is romance or romantic comedy, typically the latter, <laughs> injected into <laughs> the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, uh, Catherine, you might speak to this a little bit, um, but we have a budding romance in my long-standing campaign right now, the one that's been going on for like two years. We um, do. We do, and it's, it is very fascinating because it's completely player generated and it's very slow moving and I have basically nothing to do with it except to kind of have the world around it create the stereotypical foils and 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 ridiculous drama that always comes up in that sort of a plot, right? Um <laughs> Anyhow, Catherine, I don't know, like, do you, other than that one instance, or maybe you have a thought on that instance, but but what are your thoughts on that side of things? I have a lot to say <laughs> on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could fill an episode, but, um, so, so for, to, to Zach's point, um, it's a couple of the other players um, who are developing their own sort of, like, interplayer romance and the thing that makes that feel okay is that they know like we we all know each other we're all mm-hmm. um friends um both of them are happily married like <laughs> it's all separately um it's 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 very clear that it is just a character storytelling thing that they enjoy doing um and and so it's a fun thing to watch and accidentally get involved in a little bit <laughs> in character. Um, I was the worst person to ask no, <laughs> about that. That's about why. That. That's why um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I don't go off on a too large of a tangent here uh, and and say as long as you can. 100% trust every single person involved yes. in any sort of romantic D&D or RPG venture. As long as you can trust that not just 100% trust their character, but you have to be able to trust that person out of game 
mm-hmm. to know how to communicate mm. enough with you and 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 be direct enough with with you then you can i'm saying it from the point of the view of the person who's initiating the romantic plotline like yes the other it is important for the person to say if they're not uncomfortable but it's even more important for the person who's going to initiate to make like quadruple sure that it's okay like every single step of the way yeah um i've been in some weird situations i've seen some weird situations like it happens around me more because i am a female and i look like one Mm -hmm. so um so i have some stories but there's also some really cute ones like the one that's going on right now although it will be cute later right now it's just like Oh gosh, you guys are a mess. But <laughs> it's amusing. Yeah. One thing's for sure in that campaign, nothing ever goes smoothly. So this is no different. Um, yep, yep. No, well, isn't isn't when we're, what we're talking about though with all of the genres? Isn't that what the session zero is really there for? That's the compact, isn't it? I think like so. Discussing, discussing it ahead of time. It's like, look, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna try this thing out, and I don't want it to get weird. Yeah. Is everybody mm-hmm. comfortable with that? You know, th- sure. there has to be that the social contract that we generate between one another. And oh, if we yeah. go beyond that, everyone needs to be comfortable with saying that they're uncomfortable. That right. being right. that being said, like if you're playing, if you're playing, let's bring up uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. You're probably mm-hmm. gonna have a session zero where you say where you bring up the idea of playing a horror game, and you're like, yep. "Hey, is everybody okay with this? Is there any sections of horror that you're not down for?" That being said, if you're playing uh, Storm King's Thunder, and your DM has a great idea for a a the Kraken being a horror encounter, you probably mm-hmm. didn't cover horror in your session zero at that mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. not something that you thought would be applicable, and then all of a sudden it would. So. Um, I think a lot of these genres, though, especially though horror and romance, Catherine hit it on the nose by saying you really need to know everyone at the table and everybody needs to be comfortable with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially the mm-hmm. DM player contract becomes extremely important there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and Catherine, I, I like that you, you mentioned it. Of course, you're female and you look like one. Those are your exact words. Um, my wife tends to play in every game that we play and she loves role playing oh, cool. games. And it becomes very uncomfortable for her when another DM is trying to put her in those romantic situations to the point where she's come to me afterwards and said, I'm not going to play anymore if they continue to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it sucks. I think it sucks that we put people in that situation. And so to go to what you're saying, what Zach's saying, yeah, you need to trust each other implicitly if you're going to do anything when it comes to romance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to cover other sketchy type of situations first within the game before, before you can know that you can trust people to check in with you in the moment and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. And I've, I have often, you know, when it comes to, as, like I said, because I'm mostly the DM, I've checked games. I've stopped and said, wait, is everybody cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or say, guys, this is really intense. Take five. Yeah. And, right. and make everybody get up and walk away. Yeah. Or well, that's much what I did at the beginning of every of every session. Not the romance element, yeah. sorry, but the, the, the horror and the terror aspect of it. For whatever reason, I love adventure. I love heroic fantasy. But every single one of my games eventually devolves my 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 own fault into 
horror and terror just because for grit realism is kind of like the it's that's my crutch right and so at the beginning of every session i would explain to my players like look i'm really descriptive about the death scenes some players really seem to enjoy that they like you know knowing if they lop somebody's head off or whatever if at any point if you're not okay with that if you want to go pg instead of pg-13 that's fine we're not going to talk about i'm not it won't be this won't be saw Right. This is not going to be that. It's won't be that gruesome. But uh, mm-hmm. like the, having that conversation, at least especially with new players that you do not know and that you that don't trust you yet, haven't, you haven't built developed that relationship with them yet. I always have that conversation. I've had that conversation with them at the beginning of every session, and it was right. really helpful. Actually, had I actually had um, I probably did overkill in this aspect, but I had two different maps: one with blood on it and one without blood on it. Oh, wow. To in case I had kids that came to the table, and if mom, dad, uncle, whoever, you know, if they were with them, I wanted to make sure that there was a a lighter version of it that didn't uh, that didn't frighten them off. So. Yeah, I want to throw out really fast when you said you said overkill, um, that might have been overkill or something. I would maybe say that while there are a lot of aspects of being a DM that we can all definitely say we take to overkill levels. Um, I would say that that sort of thing, like the, you know, the consent and the making sure you have options, uh, is not one of them. Hmm. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. John, uh, let's see, Troy, I want to bring you in here, uh, shifting a little bit from our top discussion of horror and romance. Um, I have uh, a couple other genres written down here that I kind of want to get the group's sense on. How do you feel about injecting sci-fi or superheroes into your fantasy game? Oh, well, (laughs) I hope hope my players aren't listening to this episode (laughs) for a while. Um, So... My pretty much, you know, my one of my all-time favorite uh, campaign settings is Eberron. Yeah, I love, I love that whole pseudo-modernistic, magic-driven yeah. society and all that stuff. So I have a plan uh, to, at some point, run a a street-level superhero game in Eberron Heck in yeah. Sharn. Yes, nice, and and. I'm I'm going so I want to do it to the point where they're actually going to start out as commoners coming mm-hmm. into Sharn or living in Sharn for whatever reason. When they arrive, the the newspapers are talking about um, you know the, the bat strikes again, uh, yes. you know something like that, and, and and making these these superhero characters on the ones that we know and love, mm-hmm. but using spells and magic items and stuff like that to give them the abilities that they have in our real world comic books. Mm -hmm. Nice. And to see what they'll do, because I'm going to paint them in, in the negative light of a J Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) yeah, here, here, here's the, here's these, these uh, former soldiers of the last war. They've come to, they've come to Sharn. Uh, It's hard to find work. Um, They've taken, up the mantle of vigilantes and now they're wreaking havoc all over the wards of Sharn. They're um, a nuisance. <laughs> yeah, they're a nuisance. You know, we we'll we'll pay for any any information uh, regarding their capture and you know, stuff like that. Because I want to see what the players will do. Will they will they go after the the bat and uh, 
and the spider like the, yeah. the arachnid and all that stuff or yeah, will they I'm, I'm gonna, i will i'm gonna recommend <laughs> something to you troy if i may because i think that's mm-hmm. a brilliant idea and i want to see how it pans out there are two graphic novels that if you have not read them before will provide you i hope with a really great inspiration for what you're trying to do with it trying to again that human perspective looking at these gods and these creatures and mysterious things that are that lurk in the shadows and how they operate and their perspective of how they perceive it right um both of them were illustrated by uh alex ross one oh, is marvels amazing. marvels yes. is fantastic that yes, is, it is it is that is literally okay so you've written that and then oh, yeah. uh, kingdom come yep i have, I have yep. both of them yeah, yeah. Alex so the, Alex okay. Ross is a god among artists. Oh he is my amazing. God. Is amazing. Every every single page is just a masterpiece. It's so his his good. version or his his uh, depiction of old Captain America. Yeah. Yes. Is yeah. just. Uh, I aspire <laughs> to be old Captain America someday. <laughs> uh, when, you, yeah. when you said it, that's immediately where my mind t- went mm-hmm. to was Marvels in particular, mm-hmm. right? So good. Okay, you've yep. you're already oh, on yeah. the right track. Then I, I, the right I'm track. really excited to hear how that goes. Yeah, I did a um, I did a Gotham on the Forgotten Realms. It was in the Underdark, and you did a Gotham, and the it was like a one shot, and the players played as basically like Batman, Robin, Nightwing, uh, Batwoman. Mm-hmm like that collection and the villains were all designed after it was very, very, very blatantly (laughs) Gotham and Batman in the underdark. Um, And there was a whole bunch of rules to kind of make it feel like Batman. So like one of the rules of this weird city in there was that nobody can die. It's impossible. Like there was a curse over this area that nothing can die. And that, that forces it to become a Batman story where everybody, the bad guys go to jail you don't kill them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a huge prison that can be Arkham and yada, 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 right? Um, worked really, really well. And it's kind of fun. The play, I, I felt like it was freeing for my players to to know kind of the, the general gist of what they were getting into. And they already knew those characters. So it was just kind of fun to not discover a character, but to get to have their own take on an iconic character. Yeah. Um, so did you typecast it? Nice. Uh, I, how, how do you mean typecast, I guess, in this well, regard? Well, did you say, were you like, okay, you know what, you're playing Batman, you're playing Nightwing, <laughs> yep. you're playing, did you? <laughs> yep, I, 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 I had little, I had one-off names for them, and I could, I have a, I still have my three-ring binder with everything, so I could probably pull those out. But, like, I pulled them all out, and I made characters that I felt like, this person likes playing this class, so Monk, you know, whatever, is, here's that that they like playing monks so here's a character that would work well for that this guy likes playing paladin so i'm gonna make batman a paladin for this even though maybe that wouldn't be my first choice but i can make it work um Mm -hmm. you know you can do all like a conquest paladin for batman and it it doesn't feel awful um (laughs) and and then i think they fought um a a version of the penguin was kind of their last their nemesis for the one shot um nice i think it worked really well like i really loved the i mean all of them both said they loved it and and wanted to play more in it we never did um but i think that the superhero genre definitely fits really well um so i i know mm -hmm. this is a superhero genre but i I can't help but inject this here is um oh yeah 
one of our players told me one day he really wanted to DM a story. He's like, I got it. I've got it written. I'm ready to go. So we were at an off night and I said, sure, let's, let's do it. So he passes out character sheets. And again, and this is why I asked about typecasting because he had everything typecasted. And I remember Nolan looking at his character going, D-Unky? What is this? And then I looked at mine and I looked at I looked oh at Zach, our DM, and I went, you son of a bitch. Now, oh, no. I should describe, I'm a fairly rotund individual, and I have been known to pop off at a Scottish accent every once in a while and yell at donkey. <laughs> yeah, I was 100% Amazing. playing Shrek. That's oh my gosh. fantastic. I don't think I laughed like oh, that in a man. long time. We had so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. So I just, I just had to throw oh. it in there. That's beautiful. Nice. That's, nice. That's, that's, that's cool. Uh, what about I'm, sci-fi? Does anybody have a sci-fi? Sir Patrick, do you have anything sci-fi that you, comes to mind? You know, the big thing with sci-fi for us, now, you have to understand, like, I've been trying to get my group to play Star Trek Adventures for a while because I'm a hardcore oh, yeah. Star Trek fan. Um, they are apprehensive about it. Now, they keep saying, you know, they love fantasy. They've, they've indulged me with World of Darkness. Now, <laughs> it's interesting because if you know Scarlands and you know anything about the Slurisians, you know that there is a hint of sci-fi mixed into Scarlands. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that maybe they haven't put these together because like there's these weird like machines that just happen to be in these deep, you know, dark passageways. And I, I know that it's injecting sci-fi and they're just like, nope, nope, it's just fantasy. <laughs> keep, keep the crap out of here, buddy. <laughs> so if they ever announce Spelljammer as a, as a campaign setting, my group's going to look at me like I grew a third eye. <laughs> so, oh. so I would well, love I was- to do sci-fi, but no. <laughs> well, that's where I was going to go with sci-fi. Is that's Spelljammer, and I love Spelljammer. Yeah, at least that's what that's the way I always perceived uh, Spelljammer was like it was D and D sci-fi. Well, I mean, I think I think it's hard, even though Forgotten Realms tries to give it that like magical flair. It's mm-hmm. hard for it to not feel like sci-fi when you're traveling the stars in a spaceship. Yada yada yada. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You can say it's magic all you want to, but it's it feels 100% like that, 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 <clears throat> I guess. And uh, I think the line for me is, um, uh, Catherine and I have talked about this recently, actually, I think talking about the language of fantasy being different than the language of science fiction. Um, yes. and you know, you can't talk about, uh, what was the word that we were talking about? Like microorganisms or something like that. You can't say that word in fantasy, but you can say it in a sci-fi story. And, mm-hmm. um, I think it's distinctions like that that I'm pretty hard on. Like I don't, I don't like feeling modern or or postmodern, futuristic in my fantasy worlds, mm-hmm. even if I'm willing to bring in things like spelljammer spaceships <laughs> or aliens. <laughs> um, I still yeah. want it to read or tell or or plot like a fantasy story. You, you want you want John Carter of Mars science fiction, not. Star Trek, tricorder. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that's oh, yeah, a yeah. fair statement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, anyway. I'm well, that actually that, that makes me think of another one, right? It's uh, outside of just sci-fi. That's almost, that's a western. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Westerns a good call. Oh yeah, yeah. Love love a good western, and you could do it, right? You you see that with with Salvation. Yeah. In Eberron, it's this frontier town that is kind of a boom town. You've got trains you've got i mean it's just it's all over it's like that weird west vibe that yeah i really really gravitate towards really cool i like that 
even in the Forgotten Realms, you have places like Tribor, which are 100% yep. like a Western yep. motif. Um, yep. Little, Western's a towns, yeah. great fit. That's a great call, Troy. Um, the idea of the Western genre, John. though, like the sp- John, the spaghetti <laughs> Western. Uh, there's too many people in this chat. Um, that's not true. I love all of them. Um, the spaghetti Western, though, that like slow pace. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen that done super well at least at a table that i've been a part of um, I, I got the closest mm. that i got to it was was the law lo- lost mine of fandelver mm. whenever whenever the the players entered the town for the first time in fandolin and the red brands are they have like they're in the 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 nasty bar right mm-hmm. they're at the, they're yeah. at like the shady tavern i treated it like uh wyatt earp going to the, uh, like to the okay corral or to, to try to, uh, to get the cowboys out of out of tombstone right uh-huh. mm-hmm. and so it was I, everything got kind of like slowed down and they ended up doing having a duel mm. but it was, the duel wasn't with guns it was with it was with swords right and so they I kind of got into like that dirty hair not dirty hair but they uh um clint eastwood yeah. good and the bad and the ugly spaghetti western type nice. vibe with it and it actually worked out really well they had the bar fight felt like a western bar fight instead of a D bar fight because they mm-hmm. threw them through windows and they rolled out <laughs> into the into the dust and the muck and stuff like that right so nice. they, they, the players ate it up they absolutely loved that and it was a really cool change of pace from the typical like western european mid, middle ages vibe that you usually yeah, get with, yeah. with typical uh, fantasy like that awesome yeah. oh man uh, that, that's got me itching now right? uh I- I've got uh, I've played in or uh, ran two modules that kind of do this. One, uh, James Intercaso, and I think maybe Will Doyle um, did uh, a module or an adventure called Hunter. Yes, yes, and it is one hundred percent the movie Predator. Yeah, I mean to a T. Yes, and it is so much fun I, I i i ran it at uh my local game store for a, a, a like a one-shot day and i even had the predator soundtrack playing on my phone <laughs> the whole time <laughs> and the, my the players that were, were that were playing that i was running for didn't get it mm. until almost the very end when they could finally kind of see what it was they were fighting against. Nice. And they're like, wait a minute. This sounds a lot like that movie Predator. (laughs) 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 It was like, wow, three hours into this four-hour mod, and you finally figured that part out. Even the cover of the module looks like... That's the perfect time, though. Oh, yeah, but it was was a lot of fun. So, yeah, you, you, you took that modern jungle warfare type vibe and put it into D and it mm. was also in chult which was perfect yeah mm-hmm. i but love then, that that's a good yeah, call it, it, i had forgotten about that so one. much so much fun and going back to the horror my all-time favorite con module ever to date is one by uh savannah houston mcintyre and it's called army of the unseen and it's for Ooh. baldwin games uh moonshay Mm-hmm. Uh, Adventurers League line, and it's actually, I think, in this, 
like the first set, of, first trilogy, I think. Hmm. I don't think it was Moon that Three. Came out. Not Moon Three. It's Two Two. Two Two. It's Moon. Yeah, I played that one at Gen Con. Oh my gosh! I, I ran that. I don't know how many times at Origins when it debuted, and I had one table that uh, another DM who was there just to play that weekend had brought his son. His son was like slinking down in his chair, hiding behind his character sheet, <laughs> peeking over the top. And he actually leaned over to his dad and goes, Dad, he's really freaking me out. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, yes. But everybody, every table reaction. I had, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Every table I had was just like, they'd get to a certain point and be like, no, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not opening that door. You don't know what's behind that door. I'm not doing that. It, well, it was like, at- oh my gosh, this this is one of those horror movies. It's it was amazing. So if you if you want a fun mod to run, either Hunter or Army of the Unseen, you can get them on DMs Guild. Fantastic I've got another one. mods. We already mentioned Curse of Straw, but let me be specific about one that is okay. really really close to what you're saying, Troy. Death House. Death House. Yeah. Oh Death House yes. is so good. Oh, so so good. We want to talk like my Those my home game. Kids. My home game. My yeah. one of my favorite players at the table <laughs> is is our our one of our best friends, Elizabeth. Her reactions. To like the describing the things were going on on the walls and how they would like dance and caper around and all this like just out of the corner of your eye. There was nothing that was grotesque or yeah. Maca- it was just it was kind of just macabre, right? And so she loved it and ate up every single minute of it. And it, she was it was the most gratifying thing about the entire <laughs> session was how into it she was. Oh, this is just so. This is creepy. I just keep going, keep going. I was like, All right, "We're still good. Everybody's good." Okay, cool. Okay, that right. oh, was so good, man. I felt like oh a king. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm the greatest DM ever. Do you see I'm, what I'm winning. Do? I'm winning D and D right now. Exactly. Winning D and D. Patrick, is there anything else? Anything else that's coming to mind as far as genres in your D and D games before we in- wrap up here? You know, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you know, like I said, we stay away from romance. Horror gets pulled in a lot. We have used the kind of the chosen one trope where one of our players is kind of predestined to do something, which is kind of an interesting story. And it really goes back to Curse of Strahd and even even the Death House a little bit. Um, Do you guys remember the creepy doll in the Death House? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I yeah, love that one so much. So, yeah, exactly. So I remember the scene where I was describing that doll, and Nolan was playing a paladin. He's my co-host from 307 RPG. And there was something about the way I described it, and I look over at Nolan, he's got his head down, and he's shaking his head no the whole time. And then he just starts going, nope, 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 nope. And he turns, and he's like, I said, what do you do? And he says, Zen walks out, he leaves, he's done, he's out of here. Yep. And so we had this really interesting thing happen as we were, and we talked a little bit about this actually in our most recent episode where Nolan mentioned that the Curse of Shroud was one of his biggest regrets when it came to campaign settings because we were both getting back into D&D. I was very green when it comes to DMing because it had been many, many years, and he was very green when it came to playing. And he was playing a paladin in a very bleak, Barovia is a very bleak world. And so mm-hmm. he ended up mm-hmm. coming to me uh, and saying, I can't play this character. You need to kill this character so I can play something else because I can't mm-hmm. do this. And so we did. And when we left Barovia, he 
text me and he's like, I really want to play that character again. Is there any way we can work this story to where, because he was playing an Asimir, that this Asimir is actually that character? So we use this whole nice. chosen one trope to try nice. to bring back his character. And it was really kind of interesting because they, when we built the, the party, there was no cleric in the, in the party. There was no healer whatsoever. So I was like, okay, you know what, guys? I don't like to do this, but I'm going to play a character. He's going to be a cleric. He has no decision-making whatsoever. Mm. Period. Done. And they're like, yeah, no problem. And so we would have these, you know, anything that would happen and everybody's like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I would say, okay, well, Kildrax over here preaching the good word of Silverbeard. It was just <laughs> Silverbeard. Always preaching the good word of Silverbeard. So what ended up happening was is we wrote the story such that, and this is all in a homebrew game, where Kildrak and Zend are the best of friends and Kildrak goes missing. And they, the players had to walk through hell to save him because Kildrak was actually the incarnation of Silverbeard. And it was up to Zen, cool. this fallen paladin, to be the chosen one to save his god and bring him back. That's nice. cool. And we were nice. able to bring back the character that way. It was That's a lot of fun. Awesome. It was really neat. <laughs> That's awesome. That's... Golf, golf clap. <laughs> That's good. You brought, you brought up a really good point, too, um, about... Like we were, we were talking about this in a roundabout way too. Like having the, um, having a a character like a certain set of paladins, <laughs> um, in a really bleak, mm-hmm. dark yeah. setting. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of feels like a genre in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, it's. I've been trying to put words to it for it's like a while. Like the light and the darkness, sort of a <laughs> yeah, thing. The, the like pilgrim a, in an unholy land. Yeah, like yeah. A, a yeah, yeah. A, a pilgrimage or like a trial yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's several other genres that we really didn't cover tonight that we'll maybe have to save for another one. I'm thinking um, directly right out the gate of like a heist. Um, is a whole genre Ooh. that we didn't really get into. Sure. The, cri- oh, the whole man. crime, like organized crime genre. Organized crime, yeah. I, like, I was uh-huh. I was thinking uh, spy thriller. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Nice. So we may have to do Political. this again. I think we really did a good job of covering um, like horror and romance. Um, we touched on superheroes, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, sci-fi we, we dove into. Um, and then the chosen one. Um, I like this discussion, but I think, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're coming pretty close on time. So we may have to do a part two of this at some point mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. catch all those. Um, Are you ready for a part two, Patrick? Hell yeah. I love awesome. podcasting, so. <laughs> awesome. Well, we would love to have you back at some point. It's been a real delight to have you on uh, this episode, Patrick. Um, we'll make it happen Not again in the future. Me. Probably not as much as the delight is for me to be here. So. <laughs> well, no, uh, you. we'll try to swing you into a... Gorsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, we'll try to swing you into a part two at some point, because I think that would cool. be a lot of yeah. fun if we could if we yeah, could wrangle cool. up some more genres. A Western, yeah. we maybe we could talk more on that. The other thing is, I, I know, just from the tone in everybody's voice, that everybody is holding back a story or two mm-hmm. that's a genre-based thing that they would love to tell. <laughs> so I think that we've got enough content here to, to do another round. Um, so, with that being said, a uh, couple last-minute things, and I think we'll close out. Uh, first and foremost... Uh, once again, thank you to Patrick uh, from 307 RPG for hopping in. Um, we would, I would highly recommend you find Patrick on 
Uh, let's see. You can find him on, I would imagine, any podcast platform you can find and on Facebook. Yep. And on Twitter, uh, at 307RPG on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, definitely check that out. You will not be disappointed. Um, we really love the content there. You also have another podcast um, that you were talking to us about a bit called From My RPG Library, um, which sure. sounds really cool. Do you want to give a brief recap on that? Sure. Uh, you know, from my RPG library, really was just kind of a, a brainchild. Again, I, you know, I mentioned I love doing podcasting. I do. Um, so from my RPG library was, what if I take some of these books in this massive RPG library that I have that never really get played, read through them, and then talk about them? A lot of it was focused on World of Darkness stuff because, again, Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness is really, you know, hands down my favorite. So I was doing a lot of that. Well, I really liked Morton Kanan. So anyway, so there's D&D, there's, there's World of Darkness stuff. Um, so yeah, originally it was just, here's three things that I like about it, three things I don't like about it. Well, then it grew into a full-fledged review. Uh, I think most recently with the Fall of London from Modiphius, which I don't know if you guys have read that book, but I don't recommend it. It's, um, it's so, I spent 15 years in the newspaper industry, so it's so poorly edited that I was really upset with the book, which I kind of soured me on Modifius a little bit. Now, That's a shame. I looked at some yeah. of their other stuff, and they have some amazing products, so I don't want you guys to think that I'm trashing them at all, because Modifius sure, is sure. really good. Um, so yeah, it just grew into actually doing reviews, and it's been a lot of fun. It's just me, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love it. That sounds really cool. Um, I'll definitely go check that out. I think I saw that you maybe yes. posted some of those into the 307 RPG podcast itself. So um, I've already got a taste of them, but I'll, I'll go check it out. That sounds cool. Um, other than that, um, the other things that I feel like we should announce uh, or, or bring to light is that Oceanic Depths has made its premiere. Um, all the books have been shipped out. Congratulations. Yeah, thank Excelsior. you. Um, we're really... We're really excited, Um, and I think at this point, by the time this episode drops, not only will all the books be shipped, but all most of the books should be delivered. Um, It should be available on Drive Through RPG on PDF. Um, So if you if you're PDF your thing, go get that, and um, hopefully before too long, it will be on Amazon uh, for you to snag a copy of your very own. So really excited about Oceanic Depths uh, coming into the light. Um, second yes. off, Mother Load. Let's see. This is, this episode is going to be dropped um, on the eighth. So in less than a week, in less than a week, y'all, July thirteenth, uh, there is a new adventure coming to Kickstarter. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's called Mother Load. Um, it's the first in a series. It's a level one to three adventure with a whole bunch of player options. It's going to be in a zine format, which I'm really excited about. I think that the zine format is, um, a, a, a way of doing books and projects and, and products that should be, uh, captured by more companies and more, by more individuals. Um, I look forward to at some point in the near future, having a whole shelf dedicated to zines and mini RPGs and things of that nature. So um, really excited about that Kickstarter. It's called Motherload. Again, um, you can already go look at it, uh, follow it on, on Kickstarter and you'll get a notification when it goes live. Uh, would really appreciate you guys checking that out. I think that's it. Um, so 
Zach here saying thanks again to John, Catherine, Troy, and Patrick for hanging out with me this evening. It's been a real blast. And thanks to every one of our listeners for, for tuning in once again. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks everybody. Be safe. See ya. Hey, Thank it was you. our pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Keep gaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>